Do we even have a title for this? I mean, we could just say <laughs> The Stranger's Allies Lore Podcast. That's kind of what I was thinking. Just Okay. TSA right, well, Lore Chat. <laughs> well, welcome everybody to TSA Lore Chat. I am Elemist. Uh, this is Hyven. And this is our first episode uh, recorded on October 13th. Yeah. 2018. Sorry, st- had to stop and, and actually think about the date. <laughs> um, and we're going to be talking about the Drifter. Yep, um, indeed. So, as a general overview of the character, um, he is a new NPC introduced in Forsaken, and he is the NPC overseeing the new game mode, Gambit, which is this awesome mix of PvE, you know, player versus environment, and PvP, player versus player. And a lot of the controversy with the character comes from the fact that initially we have no information about him except that he's kind of a gritty character. Um, makes a lot of jokes. Like, his grandma was at Twilight Gap. You know, who wasn't at Twilight Gap? Which was... I learned later on that he's one of the one of the older Guardians we have in the history. Been around for a yeah. long time. Yeah, yes. Some of the things we look at is, of course, the Grimmar book, The Drifter's Gambit, which discusses the viewpoint of a renegade hunter we know as Shin Malfer, discussing his um, interactions with the Drifter and really just starting out for what this whole game mode is actually for. Um, as players, we just see a fun game mode, but there's actually, as most of the time with Bungie, a lore implication for why this game mode has suddenly appeared as something for us to take part in as Guardians. Yeah. Um, but there's also a lot of information about the Drifter's early life on his... Um, on some of the armor pieces from the, the game mode that you can get from Gambit. Um, so and actually, I was one thinking... of the, oh, and actually, one of the things that I like is that it talks about how he gets the loot for the game mode, yeah. um, on some of the armor pieces. But as you were saying... I was just going to say that, uh, and there's definitely a lot of uh, existing lore that leads to the Drifter. I figured at some point we'll have to give a quick overview of who the Shadows of Yor are, who Shen is, who Dragon Yor is... Thorn, all that kind of stuff. So, wasn't sure if you wanted to start with a brief overview of that, or if you wanted to go into who the Drifter is as maybe an early Guardian first. Uh, well, we could do it like a a TLDR kind of thing. Um, so, Dredgenior or Dredgenior um, was a Dark Guardian. He died by the hand of Shin Malfer, and the Shadows of Yor are a cult that formed around the idea of Dredgen Yor. Mm-hmm. Very simplistic, but that's yeah. the gist of it. That is a whole podcast in itself. There is a whole story called The Dredgen oh, Bridge about Thorn and yeah. the last word. Love to that's like it. two whole podcasts worth. I mean, yes. that's, and that's I, a couple hours worth and, of content. Um, yeah, most of my information I will probably be pulling for... Obviously, we have a little bit of a spin foil and personal thoughts, but I got a lot of all my information up here from Ishtar Collective. So if anyone's ever curious to actually read any of the in-game lore, a lot of it's been put in, but some of the old D1 lore about specifically Dwindler's Ridge is on Ishtar. Um, and they give and you a little bit of an overview about these characters before going into the cards also. That could be helpful. Yep. And that's Ishtar-Collective.com, I think. 
net actually. Dot net. You'll find it if you go on a Google search. Yeah. But yes. Just Google so, it. Yep, You'll really find just it. basic thing to know is that Shin Malfer, as a young lad, looked up to a guardian named Jaron Ward. Jaron Ward was killed by Dread Yor, who had Thorn, at which point Shin um, inherited his ghost and his weapon and went on to eventually kill Dredgen, um, at which point I guess he continued on his life until um, when we start, we got the thorn back. There were many others who crafted their own thorn, and that is where the Shadows of Yore started up. Um, specifically, there's a couple key characters um, that have taken upon the Dredgen, the Dredgen or the Yore titles. Um, Forget there's a couple yeah. of them. Um, I know Orsa. Uh, and... There was also Dredgen Vale, who was the yes. leader of the Shadows of Yore. Yes, his uh-huh. original name was Orsa. Maybe it was Orsa Vale. But yes, he took on that name, and there's one other one that is mentioned specifically by name. But they basically are but, leading a large cult. But like we said, it, that's a topic for another time. Um, but the reason that ties in is just because the Drifter has a little bit of a run-in with them at some point. Yeah. Uh, so do you want to jump into the lore tabs, or do you want to jump into the, the lore book? I think we start with the book, uh, just because that gives reference to uh, his early life, and then some of the tabs on the armor, we learn a little bit more about what he's currently doing now. Um, basically from, okay. you know, from a modern-day perspective. Okay, um, and should like should we read it word for word or just kind of like summarize it? Um, I would say maybe let's I... just start with a, a maybe like a, a brief summary of the book. There'll be a couple, couple passages to read, um, but you know we'll just start with the first entry, and maybe we'll take just an overview about uh, what they are. So I believe the first okay. book is Uneasy Feeling. Yes. Maybe I will let you start out with the summary of what we get in this lore tab. All right. So it's all, as far as I remember, all of the actual lore book entries are notes or letters written by a renegade. Um, And that's, I mean, we suspect that it's Shin Malfer. I mean, at this point... Widely... I think why assumed and agreed upon. Yeah. Shin specifically is the only one ever referred to as a renegade hunter or the man with a golden gun, which if you have played the Spades quest, you also would have heard referenced in Malfeasance. Yeah. So, yes, for all extensive purposes, anytime you see a renegade, it is going to be referring to Shin Malfer. Yep. That's pretty agreed upon by the community. So, uh, with uneasy feeling. It's Shin talking about how the Drifter is coming back to the city. Um, you know, he's saying, I, I followed him for a short while now, tracked his path since he's turned up on mine. He's not like them, but not far off. Hard to trust, hard to know. He's seen more than most, can imagine, and done things most wouldn't dare. But he's always kept his distance, stayed far from the light. Why head cityside now? 
why risk antagonizing those best equipped to cut his journey short? Can't quite say. I get the sense he's on the run. But from what? From who? There are shadows in his past. Do they linger? Do they hunt? Or is his desperation driven by other concerns? All I've seen, all I've uncovered, of him, of his long, winding road, says he's made enemies at just about every turn. Over centuries, that list grew real long. He's been comfortable on the dodge, out beyond the reef. Ever moving, ever exploring, never concerned with the dangers riding his wake. So again, why now? Why here? What's his play? More important, what's his game? A renegade's observations of a drifter. So, the one thing I want to point out is that there's a point in here. It says, there are shadows in his past. It's a capital S on shadows. And that leads us to believe he's talking about the shadows of yore. Bungie never screws up any kind of grammar. Like, they do things very deliberately when it comes to the lore. So this, I mean, it's heavily implied that, you know, he mentions capital S, shadows, and that's talking about the shadows of yore. We'll get a little bit more information about how he ran with them. Not specific, it's not, I wouldn't say that he was a shadow of yore, but he ran alongside them with similar interests for a period of time. Yeah. He wasn't part of the cult, but he was... They had aligned very closely for a while. Sure. Do you want to take justified means or... Uh... Yeah, that's fine. You want me to go ahead and read it then? No, oh, I, I can. I mean, I'm good with however we want to do this. No, I just wasn't sure if you wanted to read the whole thing, if you just wanted me to give an overview. It's not too long. I'll go ahead and read it. Just a lot of these aren't too long, on. so I just figured yeah, that if we keep, keep switching off. Yep, I'm down for that. I think this would be a good way, especially because I know this is what uh, is probably going to be best for people who don't want to have to sit down and read all this information. They can still get it straight from the text, and we're not making anything up. <laughs> So I'll go exactly. ahead and start. We'll continue the story off with justified means. Continues, the drifter wasn't always my target. In fact, he only came to my attention when he started running with them I'd call prey. Before that, it existed only as a rumor. The strange light bearer who journeyed beyond the system's edge. The lone wanderer who was only a guardian by reductive modern definitions. He had a ghost. He was touched by the light. His motivations, though were his own. Some might say selfish, and I'd have to agree. In regard to the concepts of duty and devotion and using one's gift for the betterment of humanity, not his play. The city be damned, the traveler be damned, the light be damned, which makes his run to the tower and his newfound benevolence all the more curious. I lost track of him when the traveler fell silent. Could be that severed connection drew him back. If so, I doubt it. it's something he'd admit. Yet here he is, unwelcome, but a gift for persuasion. I can't say it doesn't make me uneasy. There was, so we're clear, a time I'd call him a threat. There was a time I'd look to end him as punishment for the paths he'd tread. But things aren't quite so simple these days. Gaul taught us that, and why I still plan to punish those who have transgressed, 
I can also see the value in certain risks. This gambit, the drifter's strange little game, may just be one such. It requires care and keen eye to ensure the means don't consume the ends. But I got a feeling our new friend might be a necessary catalyst. And if not, he sure makes for a fine cut of bait. Renegade's observation of a drifter. I just want to point out that I love the fact that Shin is talking about how the drifter might be dangerous in everything he's doing. But at the very least, he's bait. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love they go on to say that they the tower actually clears the gambit, the act of having gambit, not knowing if this was a good idea or not. So right. uh, it really also shows how important it is to Shin and how convincing he is that these shadows of yore need to be drawn in, or anyone who would side with them. Exactly. That's definitely powerful. And it's one of the important things to really figure out for this card, or just about the Drifter as a character, is we see here that he is referred to a guardian really just by name. And uh, really the name Guardian is a modern name before. Um, we call them Guardians now. They were also called, uh, they were basically tyrants. They were called the Lords. Uh, you know, we have the, the Iron Warlords. Lords, Iron Lords, the Warlords. Um, before that, originally they were just called the Risen. So it really just refers to any person who has a ghost was touched by the light and rezzed. So he was raised early on before there was a tower or any protecting or guarding of basically the city. So that's something to keep in mind. He's been around for so long that his motivations are not quite the same as what we've come to know from the Vanguard. But yeah, exactly. I think that's the main point from this card, and that he is bait. <laughs> um, the other thing I want to mention is that, going off of what you were saying, you know, he's guardian only in name. Uh, when we actually go up to the NPC, he's actually referred to as a rogue light bearer. Um, so, let me just keep that in mind. Alright, so the next card is Step Into the Shade. I want to be clear. I did not trust him. You get the sense he's working to mend that. Sure. But the end game will reveal the truth of his in intentions. This con is a long one, friend. But if any are built to see it done, and see it done right, Drifter is our man. So we see if it, we see it play out, his gambit and ours. It may not be ideal. In fact, I'd say far from. It's just that. I don't see another way forward. The light is fragile, but quick. The dark, dense, and slow. If we want to control the balance, tip it in our favor. If we want to confront those shadows who would see it shift further toward the night, we must play in the gray in-between. We must draw them out. Many have fallen to this path. It's not one I tread lightly. But I've found the only way to best a shadow is meet it in the shade. The vanguard won't allow it. They're noble, but they're flawed. Frightened. Most guardians wouldn't dare it. Too many legends of heroes lost to such unpleasant pursuits. But things have changed. The Oryx Slayers and their like have danced within Ascendant Realms. The nightmare legends of Bonewalkers and Netherworlds have been cast into the light. Old fears are now trampled beneath enduring triumph. Now, if ever, 
is the time to step proud into the unknown and bathe it in our light. And if doing so draws the attention of enemies old and new, if we tempt damnation, so be it. We will stand ever vigilant and burn them all away. Or maybe the drifter pulls a double cross and our end is met. No way of knowing. No way to tell. I say we let it ride. Trust ourselves. Trust our instincts, our light, a renegade's observations of a drifter. So yeah, even there, I mean, it's saying the Vanguard doesn't want to use him as bait because that's it's dipping too far into the darkness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we have points like how the Oryx Slayers are our guardians and our fire team. We've danced within the Ascendant Realms. I think it's become, we're at a point now that, uh, Light and dark are kind of a pretty uneasy uh, balance. So I think what at the beginning of D1 we might have thought crazy. Uh, now playing a little bit into the darkness, maybe not as crazy as it seems. Exactly. Um, and as I mean, like the line from uh, Aldrin in the campaign, you know, the line between light and dark is so very thin, and. We've already seen our Guardian kind of toe that gray area. So Gambit might be a big concern for the Vanguard, especially for our Guardian. Mm-hmm, for sure. Well, if you uh, unlocked Thorn in D1 or Malfeasance here in D2, you've basically already taken part in in these activities, basically. Um, uh, we are kind of the people that... Uh, Shin is trying to bait out whether or not we fall towards the darkness is, I guess, a different topic. But that is exactly what he's trying to do. To see the difference, as we'll go on to see, as somebody who's just playing to win or somebody who's just playing just for the sake of basically taking out Guardians. Yeah. And Shin even calls out the fact that the Drifter might not be uh, trusted. You know, we need to watch our own backs. All right. Um, well, then I will go into the next card if we're ready for that. And that one is Artifacts and Old Friends. It reads, By chance, he and I crossed paths in a neutral setting. Didn't give me his name, just called himself a drifter. Told him, if that's how it was, he could call me pal. He laughed at that. Got comfortable. Got all kinds of open about where he'd been. What he was hauling. Even dropped a tip on where an old friend of mine was hiding. I still wonder if he knows who I really am. He told me he left the system as soon as he was risen. Not immediately, sure. Had to get his bearings, find a ship, get it fit, get it flying. But soon as he was good as but as but soon as he was good as gone. Drawn to the outer, he says, I can appreciate. He says he's seen the deep side of Jupiter, been to the core mines of Saturn. Name drops old myths no one's heard, the Levalial Crux, the shift chasms below Ilios, the fourth tomb of Nezarak, goes on about the idols of Lower Sul, the treasure of Exodus Prime, solar engine of Dreadstar Six. I think he's making most of it up. But he's got relics and etchings. He's got materials not of this system, old metals, obsidian flames, thought engines, edible gnaw cakes, and a and a stuff something that looks like a rabbit biofused with a cephalopod. He keeps all this stuff to himself. 
is gits, he calls them. If they're for show, they put on a great one. But to what end? The cluster of oddities he's got shipside ain't nothing compared to what he's hauling. That big black mass of nothing you ain't ever seen before. He calls it an artifact, but it's more than that. Just don't know what exactly. He said he got it far out as he's ever been. Said it was from a place cold enough to snuff out our light. I asked him, was it Vex? Hive? Cagey is all, he said no. It was just other, and it was powerful. Maybe. That was the qualifier. Maybe. Why the hell bring it to the inner system, then? Maybe are, maybes are troubles. But he's got an answer for everything. He says, brother, maybes are where the real treasures lie. I couldn't tell. He could tell I, was satis- I wasn't satisfied, but I, I knew he wasn't lying. The chunk of other, for sure, and Ghost said its readings were off the charts, but abstract, unlike anything anyone had encountered. Can't say that made me comfortable, but then the drifter, with his easy manner and eager charm, asked if I've ever met a man in black named Callum. He was clearly changing the subject, but he was lucky enough, or smart enough, to pick one I had interest in, and I could respect that. Renegade's observation of a drifter. There's a good bit to unpack here. Yeah. And this is also going to cross-reference some of the um, uh, the armor pieces also later on. Um, but I guess just starting out, we have basically what he did, what was what the first thing he did after he was raised for the first time brings out just like we did in D1. He got a ship, and he basically immediately got out of there. Um, he went just out. I'm assuming it's and yeah, as he as went as way out past uh, past the reef. Which is about as far as we've gone ourselves yeah. as our guardian. Um, we know we have. Well, it, it I think our guardian myths. I think our guardian oh, has gone a little further than the reef, simply because the reef is the asteroid belt. That's true. And I mean, we've gotten to Jupiter or Saturn. We've been uh, to one Saturn, of the, the rings of Saturn. Yeah, yeah. It's Oryx's ship. Yep, and some of the moons of very of close to the rift. Saturn. Yep. yep. So he discusses how there are some old myths he talks about. Um, some of these I've never heard of. Um, you may un- notice Nezarak. That is, there's an armor piece, Nezarak Sin. We have whispers of that as being something. Um, so mostly just what I get from this is just some of these things might be true. Some of this stuff he's probably making up for stories. We know that the Drifter is a uh, kind of an elegant speaker. And like you said, he's just got a little bit of charm and charisma. Knows how to sweet talk his way, I think, in and out of conversation. So at this point, I think he's just trying to talk up Shin. Uh, Shin doesn't know if he knows who he is. Um, we later find out. Well, not even later. The fact that he mentions Callum at the end to change subject uh, probably points to the fact he does, because Callum is a shadow of yore, and who Shin happens to be looking for. So the fact that he changes topics by saying he knows a name a man named Callum, where he might be located, I would say points to the fact that he knows who Shin is. And let's be honest, Shin is a well-known guardian, and the Drifter probably knows plenty. So then that that brings up my first spin foil theory, is the fact that the Drifter might be Dredge and Vale. I mean, I, I know it, it talked about how he ran with the Shadows, but wasn't a Shadow. 
but what if that is a con? Well, um, well, and I mean, to that would be. The, oh, go ahead. And I mean, the best way to throw shade off of yourself is to give up somebody you know is, you know, someone of interest. My only thought against that would just be, based on his age and what we know, he has been out on a frozen rock for so long that he wouldn't be able to be in the tower um, in the Crucible matches that are mentioned in some of the cards from D1. Because um, Shin is literally watching the feed um, along with uh, Shaxx watches some of the matches, Ikora, and they discuss these Shadows of Yore. Uh, basically, there's a, a talk of a supremacy game where they're dropping Guardians and not even picking up Crests, um, which Shaxx finds odd. Like they don't even care about winning. Um, so there are references of the Shadows kind of starting up more modern time. Uh, granted, we don't know where the Drifter's been, so maybe... Um, that would be a really interesting theory if he kind of snuck in and tried to revive the old thorn by uh, basically starting the shadows. And we should preface all all this talk by saying, I mean, a spinfoil theory is just that. I mean, it's it's you know we're putting our tinfoil hats on and just like going off on a tangent, like trying to figure out. Okay, well, if this says this, what's the most extreme thing we can think of that would be interesting? We don't know the Drifter's name. He just refers to as the Drifter. We do know Dredgen Vale's name, um, his last name, Orsa something. I have it over here somewhere. I'm sure I'll find it at some point. Um, but also we'll find out later that the Drifter was not um, planet side, if you would say, uh, when Gaul came in because we'll talk about later how he was actually with some Guardians out in a frozen rock during that point. So my only thought is he was not anywhere near here for until recently. So I would think that he, I don't know, I think that it probably the Shadows probably started up before he got here, and they maybe just crossed paths because, well, they're both, as we'll find out, trying to craft weapons that have the ability to basically cancel out light also known as Weapons of Sorrow. Or, as the Shadows of Yore refer to themselves as Weapons of Sorrow. I think that's where their paths really cross. But I guess that's just guess our spinfoil topics. And and fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, it, we can talk more about this, but point being, we don't know a lot about <laughs> who the Drifter really is. Um, His identity is still secretive. Yeah. All right, so the next card. Shadow on a wall. I know Callum by another name. A hated name. The Drifter had run with Callum's crew for some time. I get the sense he would have been one of and the same as them. Lockstep down Sorrow's road. If they'd met sooner. Hell, maybe they were lockstep. Maybe his gambit was theirs. Maybe the bait set when the Drifter first came to the tower was for me and mine. Maybe all we were playing at was our own end. But all that's not worth the effort to dwell on. A path's been set. Best to walk it. If the turn round... Uh, sorry. If the turn round, that final bend, leads to death, 
All we can do is return the favor. Drifter told me Kellum had a spot. A hold he used all his own. Said his crew been running separate jobs to keep me off their trail. Said they knew one to one they'd have a hard time walking away. But rolling together only increased their footprint. Made them easier to trail. Made sense. With the six of them, Callum's crew, I mean, spread out. Uh, each running their own search for whatever it is they're searching for gave me crossed signals. I'd hear conflicting stories of their deeds from the end of the system to the next, and I had a hard time keeping up. But this info, Callum's safe space, it was a lead worth looking. Two weeks into a living hell, I thought Drifter'd fed me a line, maybe trying to kill two birds, one stone. There were signs of a shadow's presence, but they were cold. Old. I waited anyway. Shot me some taken to kill the time. The wait paid off. Callum entered. Could hear him before I saw him. He was arguing with his ghost. I waited on the hope that they'd spill goods I could use to track the others. No such luck. Their words were healed. Or heated. Sorry. Their words were heated. Callum had gone too far. His ghost was angry. I don't blame her. It caught me that she always used his proper name, Callum, and not his other one. She still cared, still hoped. Then she screamed. I drew and stepped into the light. Callum had his ghost in his left hand. It was silent. With his right, he had stabbed her through the optics with a sickly dagger, a tool carved from the jagged spikes, fired from a weapon I shall not name. The ghost was dead, and Callum just laughed. I think because he knew what came next. He and I had words. Told me I'd never kill them all. Then he dropped the shell and went for his shooter. I lit my fire and painted him on the wall without another word. A renegade's observation of a drifter. This is where it gets good. This is so where a lot of people might understand. Doing the mission for Malfeasance, if you've done it, this name sounds very familiar, and a specific scene or location probably sounds very familiar. Oh, yeah. But now, see, I, we're, we're going to circle back to that because I've got a comment about that. But okay. back on the card, I mean, it's talking about how he killed his own ghost. So he cannot be revived anymore. And the way he killed his ghost was with a sickly dagger, a tool carved from the jagged spikes fired from a weapon I shall not name. I'll he name literally, it. Thorn. He literally took a bullet from the, the thorn weapon and carved it into a dagger. If you've ever shot the thing, it shoots giant spikes. They're hard to miss. Yeah. But now, circling back to the, the whole location thing when we actually do the malfeasance mission we go into the ascendant realm to find callum's grave yeah i noticed that i found it odd also that that is where we found basically the his death site and the thing that gets me is we do that in the dreaming city which was completely locked off 
So it just I'm it opens if more that's questions. That's more of a vision than actual the actual location. Um, you know, we hear recordings of what had happened, and we see a burnt location, basically, and it plays an audio clip of Callum and Shin arguing briefly. At which point, Shin fires off. I think it's four Golden God shots. No, it was overkill. Three. Yeah, but either way, it was three golden gun three, shots. Three to four golden gun shots, and you see just a charred outline of an individual. So my thinking was that this might not have been the actual location, but by traveling into the Ascendant Realm, maybe we saw some type of... I mean, the fact that we were hearing their audio, I don't know where the audio would have came from. His ghost was dead, so there was no recording of that. Um, and we don't have access to Shin's ghost for recording. So oh, I would that's think a good that, point. The only way we got those recordings were somehow what we were seeing in the Ascendant Realm was a basically like a replay for us to see, which could lead into plenty of other stem foils, uh, spin foil about how um, someone controlling the Ascendant Realm wants us to uh, see into Guardians seeking darker paths. Yeah. That could be really interesting for later on. Like, there's a lot of leads that come out of this, and it's it could be awesome. Sure. All right. Well, that, I guess, covers the, the card for the most part. Uh, unless you have something else to add, I'll move on to the next one. Nope. I'm good. All right. We got about, what, we're halfway through. Uh, the next card is Bright yep. Side of a Bad Idea. Right. At this point, the Drifter had me comfortable with the idea of him. But only just. Been a long time since trust came easy. I still needed to understand. Needed to grasp what he was after or what was after him. Survival depends on knowing what's coming best you can. This is before I came to you, but only just. This is me smoothing out the rough angles before risking a proposition I know carries baggage. Anyway, he and I went out, found a spot we could be alone, and he showed me. He showed me proof that all of his artifact, his relics, artifacts, treasures, and junk weren't just for show. Our shady friend actually went out and lassoed himself a little piece of hell. While Guardians have been waging war with the Taken, while the city's newest legends have been trespassing on ascendant ground and kicking in Taken skulls, the Drifter's been playing Warlock, which he ain't, if I wasn't clear, not by common understanding anyway. In drawing strength from curiosity and using knowledge to bend understand to his will, this willy, wily bastard has long since shed any pretenses of class or the limitations therein. While you lot have been having your fun, drunk on loot, dancing on the corpses of your enemies, he's been watching, learning, stealing, and playing. Now I make no promises that what he's done was ever intended for the greater good. Point of fact, I actively doubt it, but here we are. He's kitbashed Vex tech with fallen components, married it to hive magic, and scavenged golden age science with a sprinkling of who knows what. And he's... Hold up. I know this sounds bad. Sounds like just the kind of trouble we squash about. He secured a pocket of the Ascendant Plane. Not a throne world, nothing that grand, but big enough chunk to matter. And he's gone and, gone and caged an army. A taken army. Leftovers from Oryx reign? Something new? Something old? Something... hers? Can't say, don't know. But he has him there. He says it's to hold him, study him. But the best bet says his intentions aren't so clean. Purity of a ten aside, this is what he wanted to show me. This is why he's here, his gambit. He wants to help humanity, humanity, help us 
four fools who call ourselves guardians. Learn how to control not only the taken, but the power that bind them. Sounds like a bad idea. I agree. Bigger picture? Sometimes bad ideas are the best option. Hell, sometimes they're the only. A renegade's observation of a drifter. So. Alright. He's Go literally ahead. caging up Taken. And we're not sure where these Taken are coming from. I mean, they mention leftovers from Oryx's reign, something new, something old, something hers. And the tangent for something hers can be... I mean, we're not going to go down that path, but... That's the active story that's happening in the Dreaming City right now. Yeah, that that's involving the three-week uh, curse cycle with the Dreaming City. Um, but, I mean... Well, we find out later that while he seems to be trapping some... At least the prime evils seem to be something he has somehow made. Um, nobody's quite sure where they come from, uh, but it seems he is taking at least the lesser taken. Um, so if anyone's ever wondered what that giant rock he's hauling behind him, that's what they're referring to as this kit-bashed, vex-fallen, hive-magic, golden-age crazy yeah. thing that he has somehow put a piece of the Ascendant Plane inside. Um, it's not a throne world like where you fought Oryx or where we've seen the Queen. That is a very specific pocket of the Ascendant Plane. And as I've heard explained and found myself, the Ascendant Plane is a whole, basically another dimension, whereas throne, words, throne worlds are little pockets that are on that Ascendant Plane. Um, so when you hear the word throne world, it is a location inside the Ascendant Plane, not necessarily what the Drifter has, because that is something much, much bigger scale. So, I mean, essentially you could think of the Ascendant Plane as like a neighborhood, and a throne world is your single house. You know, your house doesn't affect the house next door. Yeah. So, I mean... And so... The the one... Oh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, so that really, really what we're getting at is what we're able to get from this is just that he has secured some type of ascendant plane in this giant rock, and he is able to store uh, the Taken that we fight, specifically when we summon the Prime Evil. Obviously, there are different adds that we clear through different waves. Um, those, I'm assuming, are just really just the enemies who don't like us. But as far as when you summon that Prime Evil, all those Taken, those all come from that chunk that he is dragging behind him and the drifter claims that he's doing this for the good of humanity so that we can learn to control the taken so essentially the drifter is trying to get us to do to become what toland yelled at us for not becoming yes yeah when we killed oryx originally uh he was the taken king by rights by killing him, we should have taken that power. When we didn't, we left an opening, which is why it is thought that one of Oryx's sisters, which is another topic, probably took that throne. Uh, but the Drifter still has hopes of us, I guess, possibly learning how to harness some of that power. Yeah. And we'll find out that he actually has, to a degree. <laughs> now, the one thing I didn't pick up on until we were reading it here I mean, I had glanced over it and didn't read it at all, but the Drifter has the curiosity of a warlock, 
but he's not a warlock by common conceptions. Um, and that is the same as basically all of the early Risen. They weren't given classes. You hear um, things but like like Rezal Azir, one of the first, they call him a titan, but it specifically says he's called a titan by our modern-day standards. Uh, back then, they didn't really have classes, so he he could be referred to as a warlock right. now. But in reality, he's classless. Right. So that also helps us to see that as Guardians, we can do whatever the heck we want. We, modern day, put ourselves in these classes. But as far as uh, the light, it's not that the light is harnessed into some of us, especially where we're turned into hunters, titans, and warlocks. We are just harnessing that power in different ways. And basically becoming, it's just like different like branches of like the military kind of thing. We are all just assigned to these different groups. So the fact that the Drifter doesn't fit into any of these categories doesn't necessarily make him odd. It just means that he does not fit with the modern day social norm set about by the Vanguard and the Tower. Precisely. Yeah, yeah right. I haven't really noticed that before either, but that is a good point. Think of him as warlock-like. <laughs> because like, I know a couple, uh, God, it was a couple weeks ago. We were actually having a discussion, um, and by we I mean people in in the clan and myself. Um, we were having a discussion that we were trying to figure out what class the drifter was, because he's got robes like a, a warlock, but he's got the body of a titan, and he's got the that's that stereotype of <laughs> exactly exactly of, of a hunter, right? <laughs> Yeah, he's got the demeanor of a hunter. So, I mean, he's got aspects of all three classes, and he's got the curiosity of a warlock. Um, but, like, he's got all three aspects, or all aspects of all three classes, and it's like we were trying to figure out what he was, and this right here shows, no, he he doesn't conform to modern concepts like that. And I think that just stems from the fact that he's been gone for literally so long that he wasn't around for when those classes were formed. So he just right. settled in on one. Right. Alright. The next card is the price of a double-sided coin. Here's the play. Ours, I mean. You have places. Cleared zones. Not necessarily the safest spots, but not wholly untamed. I say we, you, allow the drifter to run his game. And let's you and me watch. We watch the action. We watch him. We watch who plays and who doesn't. On top of that, we watch their aggression. Who's diving too deep, too fast. Who's less keen to grow their knowledge, their strength. And who's simply looking to unleash themselves. The true promise of this gambit is what you and I can learn about our enemies, maybe even ourselves. That has to be first and foremost. After that, we assess Gambit's value and its risks. If the danger escalates, we shut it down. If any guardians go too far, we shut it down. And them, if need be. My gut says we won't have to. My gut says, against Everything I was raised to believe, this is our next step forward. And here's the rub. You know this. 
but only fair that I reiterate, as secret as this whole mess is, and as vigilant as we'll need to be, word must spread. It must. And when it does, I need you to corral Zavala and any others who won't understand. Because the other side of that jade coin is the trap being set. This long con, the final bend after a long haul. If Drifter plays his part, and I believe he will, then those who test the edges of the light will hear tell and come with Colin. The shadows brought to light. But the ruse must be complete. Every guardian must play their part. You can buy in. If you can see the value in what's to come, then we roll. If not, you can stop this here and now. I'll put a bullet in him. Be done with it. You just say the word. A renegade's observations of a drifter. Yeah, so... Uh, Honestly, card... this card sounds like he's talking to Ikora. Yeah, that's exactly what I was just about to say. And I do believe, if I remember correctly, in some of our um, D1 uh, cards, he is... Shin watches some Crucible maps, matches with Ikora discussing the shadows and kind of what's going on with him anyway. Um, so I think it would make sense that he's clearly talking to someone in the tower and not Zavala. Um, granted, Obviously. I don't know at what point Cade has been gone, but I really don't think he would come to Cade with something like this either. A little a little too serious for Cade. <laughs> R.I.P. Cade. But I think this was, yes, definitely written to Ikora myself. Yeah, R.I.P. Cade. But... And here's the the thing for me is the fact that, I mean, depending on when you actually play Gambit, Cade's already gone. Yeah. So at that point, I mean, so yeah, I for like a, a new player, so for like a new player coming in, I mean, they're going to see that Cade died and then they're going to read this and go, what? So no, it, it has to be Ikora. Yeah, I would agree. Yep, yep. And we also see that while Shin is called a renegade, uh, he still is not a renegade in the same way the shadows of Yor are. He still somewhat answers to the tower. We see that he is basically giving him the rundown, asking Ikora uh, to convince Zavala that this is something that should happen. Um, but at the end, he specifically says, if you guys don't agree with this, you let me know and I'll put a bullet in the drifter. So this is an established event. This Gambit is not some random... I mean, it is a proving ground, but it is t- it's a sanctioned tower uh, event yeah. that is really used as a test. It's At this point, it's been sanctioned by the Vanguard. Um, and I mean, that's because we're looking at it as... Heck, I just ran some, some Gambit today, and that's well after you know, the establishment of Gambit. If it was, or if Ikora wanted him shut down, wanted the Drifter shut down, the game mode wouldn't be available. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, And it's also an opportunity to watch him, as the card says. They're not only watching the Drifter, but they're actually watching us. They're looking for Guardians who are going to just learn and improve their skills versus those who are just going to unleash themselves or just go out there and just wreck. 
Um, I guess they're looking, there's a certain level of self-control, I'm assuming, that they're looking for. A certain level of aggression, maybe. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that leads into, I would almost say that anyone who has finished the Malfeasance quest, we're kind of treading on a, a thin ice, just based off of at yeah. least what we've, the, the idea we've given in the Drifter, he calls us part of his crew at that point, and talks about how, when it comes down to it, uh, we'll be ready to end Shin. Uh, so I would say that our Guardian, even though we've done all these amazing things in the past, we are definitely playing into this a little bit. I mean, granted, if you've ever played Gambit, it's hard not to, when you see an invader, or if you like to invade, just want to just unleash yourself on these people. I mean, granted, it's the event, but I can see why it's a, an effective proving ground. Exactly. Oh, I mean, that really covers that. Anything else you want to add for this this entry? No, that that was pretty much it. <laughs> All right. And we'll move on to checking the chamber. Your jack sure can clear a table. Combat area is clean. We've prepared and ready. Set for the first run on Nessus. The Drifter will pick up your guardians en route. Have your jacks primed to engage if, when, it all goes wrong. Not saying I have doubts, but if it hasn't been clear, I have doubts. I'll be nearby as discussed. Anything goes off rails, we'll close in and shut it down. After, if it runs smooth and we're not all dead, he says he'll set up, he'll set up shop on, in the tower. Seems risky, yeah, but that's his lot to handle. Truth is, I'd rather much, I'd much rather have him tower side where he can be watched and collected if it comes to that. The alternative, him running free and clear through the system, isn't an option. He's too much of a liability on his own. Luckily, he seems open to having you, open to having you nearby. Still get the sense that this whole shindig is something he's cooking up to face down some big bad news, some problem he's making ours. But that's his nature. A renegade's observation of a drifter. So, just some things to point out. This card, I would say, is written to Shax. And we know that because he talks about your jacks. That refers to the red jacks, which are the frames that Shax uses to clear out uh, crucible arenas. Um, as he says that these jacks have cleaned the area on Nexus so that they could get ready. So, I would say he is referring... To Shacks, and he talks about how have the Red Jacks and Shacks and everyone ready, um, just in case this first go of Gambit does not go well. <laughs> He's talking about a preview weekend. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. If Bungie had to pull the plug, the cards would have ended here. <laughs> right. <laughs> But he is tower side, so apparently it went the way yeah. they wanted it to. Yeah, exactly. All right, the next card, a matter of trust. Well, that didn't go as planned, but your guardians rallied and saw it through. And the drifter did his best to fill them in on the sudden change state he dropped them on him. I was seconds from rushing in and toasting him. But he handled the situation and set the teams up to finish the match. To be honest, I thought it would all go much worse. What concerns me is he never mentioned the word primeval before. Not once. And that's a problem for obvious reasons. 
tearing soldiers of the deep from another realm is crossing a bridge too far as is. But those beasts, those weren't normal taken, possessed, and set to rage. They were born of that shadow realm, and they were angry. Worse, they were hungry for the light. You could feel it, even a ways off. Their aura and their rage weighed on me, cast a shadow I could feel in my core. That he kept from them, or that he kept them from us, is unsettling. He says it was a necessary deception. I put my gun to his head and asked if there were any others he'd mind sharing. He just laughed, as he does, twiddling that coin of his and smiled that winner's smile. Told me to take a load off. I almost shot him then and there. He said we'd never have agreed to let him run his competition if we'd known the full extent of the danger. He's not wrong, probably, but it's hard to move forward knowing the thing we've known all along is true. The drifter can't be trusted. Yet, what choice do we have again? Have. Again, the risks are justified by the promise of the ends. I leave it all in your capable hands. I'll be watching. My presence only muddies the waters. So I'll be watching from afar. If we are lucky, this gambit will draw the interest of the rest of his old crew, and the shadows will make themselves known. Till then, I'll return to the hunt. See if I can cut him off at the pass, wherever it may be. Oh, before I forget, and at the risk of repeating myself, Keep my real name off your lips. He don't know my face, but he sure as hell knows my name. This all goes sideways otherwise. A renegade's observations of a drifter. Yeah, that just, I'm still so curious if the drifter knows who he is. I feel like he does, but. Yeah. I don't know. It is It is an interesting thought. This brings us, opens up a whole other can of worms. Um, oh, it as does. As you just said, it, Especially it, with the it went well and. Exactly. It went well enough that they let Gambit continue, but yeah, the prime evils. So if you want to continue on with what the hell happens with those. So, for anybody who hasn't played Gambit yet, it's literally two teams killing enemies and depositing motes of dark into a, a central bank. Okay? That bank... Once you fill it up with 75 motes of darkness, motes of dark, it summons a primeval. One huge taken boss that you have to defeat before your the uh, opposing team does. So, in the very first match of drift, you know, of Gambit, Shin and everyone else who was watching was very surprised at what was called a primeval. He mentions that tearing soldiers from the deep was already too far, which referred to the taking he was bringing. Uh, but this was so clearly not a normal taking; they claimed they could feel it from far off. Um, so, where the prime evils come from? From what we know right now, as far as we know, the drifters literally making them, which is very unsettling because so far the only taking that have ever been made come from Oryx. Yeah, that, and I mean. The line here, uh, they were born of that shadow realm, and they were angry. 
I mean, that right there makes me question it. Like, how are they actually being created in that shadow, in the Ascendant realm, mm-hmm. in his little bubble of it? Yeah, and uh, it's crazy. We're going to go into a couple of the uh, armor pieces later um, that talk about how he actually has control over the primevals. He's going to use them later on to just wipe out some Cabal, just casually. Uh, so that's another thing to worry about. He somehow can control these things. Which is good for us in the event, if, as long as he's on our side, but if he has to switch <laughs> sides, <Yeah. laughs> that's a problem. <laughs> If you ever thought Gaul had a good idea, I mean, <laughs> we'd be toast. <laughs> right? Gaul was kind of crazy, but we knew what we were getting with him. The Drifter is real shady. Oh, yeah. Which is why everyone thinks he's a villain. It's not... We don't really know. But uh, he's not warm and fuzzy. That's for Yeah, we're like not too sure if he's actually a villain or an anti-hero or what. Yeah, and I would say an anti-hero is definitely a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the best way to put it. He's more of an anti-hero at this point. And it's brilliant so, writing. At this point, Shin feels comfortable enough that he continues on to go find the Shadows, um, as it mentions his old crew, and he specifically says the Shadows, as they hopes that they'll make themselves known. He plans to just kind of fade into the background and hope that the Shadows are drawn into this gambit, uh, at which point he can basically take them out. Uh, so, yeah, that is, it's a good plan. It seems to. It uh, is. It really is. It's and crazy. I mean, it sounds yeah. like he's leaving it to the vanguard. Yeah, exactly. I like that, though, because it almost sounds like something so crazy that it can't be vanguard sanctioned, but the shadows would know that the vanguard is also, uh, you know, they don't just sanction craziness, so they probably think that they can just go in there, do what they want, and be fine, just like a normal crucible match. Um, so I have a feeling they probably feel confident and safe and not really expecting Shin to just be over their shoulder. Granted, in, unless the Drifter's conversing with them, then that's a whole other whole other thing. But you know, I'm curious to know if he, if the Drifter still has any contact with any of the Shadows he had talked to. And I did find that name I was looking for earlier. Um, one of the original leaders of this new group of Shadows, Dredgen Vale, his name was originally Orsa Zyre. So if you ever see the name Orsa Zyre, he changed his name to Dredgen Vale. And basically, just like Callum um, had another Dredgen title. I'm not sure what it is, um, but that was his real name. Um, same with originally Dredgen Yor was actually Rezal Azir. So it's very common for the Shadows to change their name when they join that group. Just a, a little extra thing to keep in mind. Cool. All right, well, I'll go ahead and read the last card if you're ready for it. Go right ahead. That is the long con. Can you do it, Drifter? Can you make the man with the golden gun the villain in the eyes of those who would tempt the dark? The final piece. Can you make them fear him? Because if you can, any guardian who truly embraces the nature of your gambit will find themselves a real connection to the mantle of that dead legend. They will take bare that vile title. They will wear his vile colors. They will challenge and even remake the infamy of his vile deeds. Through these temptations, they will grow strong, but the hatred must be true. Driven by the fa- power they find in your wicked game, sealed in the fear, you will seed in the name of the man with the golden gun. I wish there was another way, but your old brothers and sisters in shadow are too far gone. 
You've seen it. You know as well as me, better than me, the path they walk offers only ruin. They must be stopped. So spread your unholy word, brother. Give me, give new life to old myths. And when that hated, hateful name, Dredgen, speaks through the system, his real disciples will have no choice but to confront their sins. And you and me, we'll be the ones hearing their confessions. Oh, one more thing. Let me know who has the gall to change their names. I might want to give him a word or two. A renegade's final words to a drifter before resuming the hunt. Oh, I love that last line. Right. I want to give them a word or two. Last word. I think it's coming back, too, especially after Malfeasance has just showed up. Those rumors of last word really, really would fit. So, the, and this is going on a tangent, but the only way that I could see the last word coming back in a successful way is if they bring it in with Joker's Wild, uh, the Drifter, yeah. the DLC that's going to be about the Drifter. I would agree. There's been rumors floating around that it's coming out with uh, Black Armory, but yeah, while it's a cool weapon, I'm sure everyone wants it right away, yeah, I would agree that it would make more sense to come back with Joker's Wild. I would love to see it. Yeah, it's a great gun, but I would love to see it come back with more lore implications, not just, it's been in the Armory, we have replicas. That's not as exciting to me. Exactly. Each their own. But, now, but I, I could totally see it coming back. Oh, so can I. Now, back to the card. So, I love the fact that he's talking about how the the player title for Dredge. Yeah, I noticed that too. I mean, I, 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 that I love. Yeah, that really so, just confirms that people have who have when you the fact that I've seen people with that title in game Shin refers to them as basically too far gone at this point. And the sad thing is I'm going to be one of those people. As soon as I get that player title, I'm putting that on. Yeah, um, for sure. So what I'm so what I'm referring to is the fact that they with Forsaken, they introduced all these different Kind of like achievements called triumphs. Well, if you do certain triumphs and you collect certain gear and and finish off, you know, a set and everything, you will get an actual title for your character. Um, like right now, right, right now for me, I have Wayfarer, and that that's just doing stuff on various destinations. Um, but there is one for Gambit called Dredgen. And so you have to collect all the items from Gambit. You have to do this triumph, that triumph. It, it's a bit large ordeal. So the fact that people already have it, it's kind of impressive. And that's you know taking a step back from the lore. That's actually looking at it game-wise. You know? Now looking at it, in lore aspect, it, just like what Hyven said, I mean... I lost you there. My controller turned itself off. You're back here. Yeah. So, the fact is, I mean, Shin Malfer was like, hey, anybody who tr- decides to take up the Dredgen name, let me know who it is. I'll go have words with them. Mm-hmm. And... And that's what it's referring to, is the fact that 
I mean, it, it's a direct pointing at the the seals, you know, the, the actual player title. Yeah, he specifically says they will they will take bare that vile title. So, um, you know, and they are specifically called, I do believe, titles in game too, which is very fitting for this. Um, yeah, they're called player titles. So, um, that's a very kind of interesting lore implication. And the one thing I actually like. Uh, and when that hateful name Dredgen spreads or spreads throughout the system, his real disciples will have no choice but to confront their sins. Like, it's an interesting way to say it, but the only thing that my mind comes to is the fact that, I mean, we're we would be applying the title Dredgen to ourselves, and it's pretty much pointing at the fact that the actual shadows of yore would get heated at the fact that, oh, you're calling yourself a dredgen? You're not a dredgen. Well, how would you know? Yeah. So it, it could be a way of, of actually s- sniffing out the real shadows of yore. Yeah, that's a good point. Basically, yeah, we're like self-proclaiming ourselves maybe as dredgen. Or even, he could be using our players to get, yeah, the actual... You know, he knows, I think, who a lot of these members are. The fact that he knew Callum, and the fact that Dredgen Vale is named. Um, there's a couple other ones. Uh, yeah, that's true. We could be also just being used to take out that group. Um, you know, obviously, we're not going to kill our character off, because that just doesn't work in a game setting. Uh, but, you know, maybe we stray really close. We get trapped up with these shadows, uh, you know... Shin takes them out, and maybe we take what we learned and we continue on from there. But it's uh, very interesting. All right. You still there with me? Yep. All right, sweet. All right, so that finishes up the book on the Drifter. Um, I have a couple of cards up. Um, It is basically the armor set. And um, I was thinking if we start with... Actually, the Warlock armor set, um, the hood, robes, boots, bond, and gloves, um, that's going to give us a little bit of uh, backstory for the Drifter. Um, this will kind of just give us that last little bit of information that will help us to appreciate why he might have some of the power he has, because um, it's going to talk about what he was doing for at least a period of time when he left into the outer orbits of the solar system. Um, so... I don't know if you have these cards, um, but if not, I will go ahead and read them. They're fairly short, actually. I've got them pulled up. Again, ishtar-collective.net. It's a, an excellent resource for lore. Uh, and do you have them in order? The way I found them... Mm, so for... I think the hood is first, but... Yes, for the warlock, um, the hood is first. Uh, the robes are second. The gloves are third, the boots are fourth, and the bond is fifth. And the reason we know that is because at the very bottom, it actually talks about, you know, the fifth of five parts, or, you know, the first of five parts. Oh, yes, 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 you do have that. Yep, that's what I thought. I just wanted to make sure. All right, um, well... And, and that's kind of... Uh, oh, go ahead. And that's kind of how I took... Um, figured out the order to read them in and I read the other ones 
or the other sets in that exact order because those ones aren't as straightforward. Yeah, no, the other ones are more encounters that he had, um, kind of more modern day. Yeah. All right. So yeah, I was thinking starting with the backstory, and then maybe we can move on to the other class items, um, for more information. Does that sound? Sounds good. All right. Well, I will start then by reading the Ancient Apocalypse Hood. The uh, uh, the text for it is maybe. You leave your first apocalypse, but your second one never leaves you, the drifter. I had a crew once, my best friends, which isn't saying much, trust me. They're all dead now, almost to a man. So what does that mean for all you little guardians out there who are now my new best friends? Don't think about that one too hard. Anyway, my crew, or a little subset of it, we leave the system together. Dawn of the city age at the, at the time. We were looking for something greater than light, because we had seen, we had seen, my uh, eyes is off, okay, because we had seen that light can be used, god dang it, you know what, you actually can continue on, uh, <laughs> okay. my computer's zoomed in too far. Because we had seen that light can be the cause of so much strife. We searched far and wide, it must have been hundreds of years. We found a planet beyond the system, bristling with an energy that repulsed light. Naturally, we were curious. We landed, intended to settle and conduct the research necessary to make the energy portable. A weapon out of legend called Thorn had similar light-repressing capabilities. It seemed promising, but hand me or hand my heart, it was cold. Humans were not meant for that place. Every once in a while, a member of the crew would succumb, died where they stood or sat. Think the planes for our ghosts. We went. We were in high spirits. We were veterans, grizzled. Hundreds of years in space will do that. Drifter's thoughts recited to his ghost for posterity. First of five parts. Yeah. So we see that. He took a small crew right off the bat and went in search for something that could repress light. As we see earlier on, the uh, the Risen, as Guardians were called, they fought each other and they took sides. They actually sided with some factions during faction wars. Um, so, and when you're fighting even a Guardian, that, the only way to... Yeah. Even before that, yeah, there right. were the Warlords and the Iron Lords. Yep, I mean, exactly. So, you can't convince someone... Been... There's always been guardians fighting guardians. Yeah. And without convincing, he wanted a surefire way to take out guardians who got in the way of, well, I guess his... See, and this is the other thing. You know, he could have started out with um, good intentions. You know, maybe he wanted to fight people like the warlords. Um, or maybe he wanted to be a warlord. You know, we're not really sure. But starting out his intentions, yeah, he does have this dark light compressed light depressing energy he's looking for, but we don't really know what his motivation is exactly. And that's a good point. I mean, at this point, he, he, as far as actual strife on Earth that he's seen, yeah, exactly. He, it's probably just the Warlords and the Iron Lords that he's seen, because yeah. Would have been really, he really got weird. out of... He got off Earth real quick and went beyond what we've known 
So I mean, beyond. Yeah, and he, he he had seen a good bit. It says that they didn't leave until the dawn of the city age. So I'm assuming that the, the city had already been built. Um, so he would have seen the fighting of the warlords. He probably would have seen some of the faction wars. Um, if if he yeah, would have seen some of the faction wars, it's like early on. Yeah, it would have been right. When the city, he says the dawn, so the city was just starting to form, which means that the basically civil war was just kind of ending, and people were getting along slightly. Uh, so it's still really, yeah. really early in the days of Guardians. All right, then I have my setup fixed now. Uh, I'll go ahead and read part two. Okay. All right, and that is the Ancient Apocalypse Roads. The text says, sometimes it's a cosmic event, sometimes it's a beast from hell, sometimes it's one man, the drifter. Oh, and I guess before we continue on, if we didn't, just one thing to point out is, he knew about Thorn in that last card, and he was trying to replicate it. So, this yeah, that was one thing I wanted to point out and didn't even think about it. Um, yeah, he was talking about Thorn. The implications there, yeah. I mean... He knew about the Dredgens before. Yeah, exactly. Leaving. And the fact that Thorn came about by basically Hive corrupting a Guardian and corrupting a weapon. Uh, this weapon formed over time. So he knew its origin, I would assume. Um, so he probably knew what he was getting into. He at least knew what he was searching for. Yeah. But yeah, that was all I wanted to... I just almost, almost let that slip by. All right. Back to this card. It continues on. So there we were, on that cold hunk of ice with no name, just me and my crew. Everything peachy keen. We discovered some t kind of alien monolith, a facility left by the inhabitants of that planet long gone by then. But trapped inside was a creature, in a cage of some sort, frozen in ice. An exhibit? Was it some kind of a zoo? Still not sure to this day. We should have brought scientists. All we had were, well... Guys who thought we looked tough in dark colors. During our long stay on that planet, we found many of these those monoliths, each with their own captured creature. Anyway, this thing, the creature, looked like it sh it shared common bio uh, bioenergetics with the hive, but there were no records then or since that I've seen ever seen of humanity's encounter with them, and the creature had a property the hive did not have. It produced a field that repressed light, like a darkness zone, but contained no gooey, vacuous form with, with, but contained to a gooey, vacuous form with no head. The anti-light fields we had detected from orbit that spread across the planet, it was these things. Our ship scanners indicated thousands of them were on this planet with us. We were ecstatic. In hindsight, we all could have done with a few less of them. Drifter's thoughts recited to his ghost for posterity, the second of five parts. So, so just think about that for a moment. I mean, he found a version of the hive, or something that looked like the hive, but it produced a darkness zone. A zone where you cannot revive yourself. And these are described like Taken, kind of, but at the same time, I think you know, you know, we know that taken are literally taken from other species. This almost seems like the. I, I almost feel like this is. Well, we learned that Oryx took the power to take from the Worm Gods. This almost looks like straight 
that power used in another sense, like from the word gods, gods themselves. So like, it's almost like its own creature. We've never seen anything formless with no head. And but we do step on gooey taken like substance. It's the stuff that damages you throughout the dreaming city when you step on it. And the stuff that's all over the place in the three week cycle. I almost wonder if these are some hive taken like uh, like pre ancestor to almost could be whatever taken or it could are be, now. Or it could be the the actual taken power used yeah, in a new way. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. It's very similar, but it's not taken in the sense that we know what they are. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah like you and, and I mean there's a lot of spin foil theories that can come out of this. And I've got actually yeah, I've actually think... got a few that I would like to talk to you about after. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. Yeah, no, I don't think anyone has any confirmation on what these are yet. We don't really know. But yeah, so far we're on spin foil. Yeah, maybe we'll try to flesh that out a little bit before we <laughs> go on too much of a yeah. tangent. That's exactly. Um all right, but, so uh, yeah. as we get on this card, they are overwhelming on this planet, though. Tons and tons of them. Yep. So, the next card, the Ancient Apocalypse Gloves. Sorry about that. Sometimes the difference between survival and eradication is just pure, simple stubbornness. Drifter. My crew and I quickly learned that the creatures in the monolith facilities were not the only ones on that damn rock. Plenty of them roaming around out in the wilds, where it was cold, but less cold in the frozen cages that contained the ones in the monoliths. How did we find out? Well, one of us died in our sleep. Not that uncommon or tragic, actually. Happened a lot. Damn cold out there. Except, this time, that fellow's ghost couldn't resurrect him. Turns out, one of those creatures just slithered by and close proximity to it from inside our shelter just silenced that poor bastard's light. It was unfortunate, but it also lit a fire under us. The next morning, we realized we had a potential weapon on our hands that could change everything in battles of light versus light. We knew we had to find a way to get these creatures off their icy home, and we needed to find it fast, despite our breakthrough tensions were a little high. Some of us thought it was awful convenient. The creature wandered by and happened to take out only one of us. And so soon after we realized the value of them, Drifter's thoughts recited to his ghost for posterity. The third of five parts. Oh, it so this is, this is talking about... I mean, it's implying the fact that the Drifter or someone on his crew saw that there could be a profit made from this. Yeah. And they talk about, That's you know, battles of light versus light. So again, we're we're talking about, you know, the faction wars, we're talking about, you know, the warlords and the iron lords, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And you know, and I think the first time I read this, I never even quite caught on to that last portion. How it was awfully convenient that this creature just happened to squirm by and only kill one of them. <laughs> That just totally screams, like, to me, like, worm gods or the darkness in its true sense, like, guiding these people. Um, it just totally reminds me of uh, the, the lore tab on Whisper. Zol talks about how we're basically going to be used to feed him. 
yeah that's kind of the feeling i'm getting from this someone is using these creatures to get them off this planet and spread them out yeah exactly yeah they have a they've right. had a crazy rough time for these couple of years and as we mentioned it says it's so cold they literally just die every day and get rezzed. um so yeah there's only a couple of them and they it's a they're very committed to this so that this planet must show promise no i mean the thing that's crazy to me is the fact that they're dying so much that that would become like part of your daily routine kind of thing. Wake up, res. Then you brush your teeth and have breakfast. <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, we look at it in a game aspect and we're like, oh, you know, it, I'll just res in 15 seconds. But like, these guys are actually experiencing the deaths. They're freezing to death. It, it just yeah. it, it blows my mind. No, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I know that some of the cards that talk about guardians who were risen for the first time, or even the uh, the cinematic of Zavala raising rising for the first time. Like they felt their death. They're wondering how the hell they're back. Um, so, you know, I'm sure they get desensitized after a while, but they must be finding something of promise if they are willing to literally freeze to death every day. Exactly. And I also noticed that obviously some of these creatures are running free, uh, but some of them are held in monolith facilities. And just that term facilities makes me think that somebody has been researching on these already. I don't know where that leads to, but just something to keep in the back of the mind. <laughs> That's another spin foil theory. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and this is why I love the, the lore. Yeah, right. You, there's so just, many places there's, with it. There's so much. Yeah, there really is. And I love that they build off of it. Some people think there's just no story. Or I've heard some people complain about how, like, retcons ruin everything and all this. But so far, everything I've seen between D1 and D2, it all really does tie in. And there's really just clarifications. And if you're willing to be open to new ideas, it really does flow really, really well. I have to give Bungie mad props. Took them a while to get there. But this story has always been there, and they're just slowly getting it into the game and making one hell of a story. Yeah, completely agree. All right, well, then that brings us to our next armor set, the Ancient Apocalypse Boots. And the tag for that is, I stopped counting the Armageddon's, the Drifter. I mentioned tension was high among the crew in that last one, right? That's what I thought. Well, it got worse. Another one of us died. The same exact way even after we took up residence in one of the monoliths. Idiot just froze to death. His ghost, too whacked out by light to re out by light repression to do anything about it, died in his sleep. The others were not happy about it. I was not happy about it. We had been looking for a way to contain the creatures. The monoliths seemed to have some kind of freeze tech, you could call it technology, that we could use if only we could replicate it. I'm a pretty savvy mechanic. But we couldn't figure it out. We started to blame each other. Someone must have lured one of those things near crew quarters. To this day, I still don't know for sure. Why kill just one of us? For what? It was more plausible that the creatures did it knowingly. A punishment for our intrusion. But there was no malice there that we could detect. Only biology. At the time, we didn't care. Eventually, one of them drew a gun. I knew it would happen. 
and I prepared a soothing speech to smooth things over just in case. I told him to holster the smoke wagon, and the next time any of them tried it again, I'd kill them all without a second thought. I didn't speak plainly often, but when I did, even that crew listened. Drifter's thoughts recited to his ghost for posterity, the fourth of five parts. Tensions rise. The sad thing to me is that the Drifter is the voice of reason. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think he went a like, We'll find out later. He's going to go a little mad on this planet, I think. Yeah. Years, I would say, being on there. Um, I just like that it mentioned he's a pretty savvy mechanic. He must be in order to make that giant rock flying behind him. Uh, but even this technology was too good for him. Um, yeah. Yep. And then just that way continues on with this thought that these creatures, at least either themselves or something guiding them, has some type of sentience. They're not just wandering around. Um, you know, it's not like a stampede running through camp. That would have killed all of them. But it seems to slowly just be one at a time, almost as if it wants them to get mad at it, each as other. As if it wants the crew Turn their to guns. suffer. Yeah. Yeah, now, see, like you said, he's the voice of reason. He's able to calm everyone down from killing each other at this point. Now, see, the fact that it's only taking one of his crew, it's making me think that, like, either this is just a made-up story, part of it's true, part of it's not, mm -hmm. or it's making me think that something is trying to manipulate the Drifter. Like, it's singling him thought. out. Yeah. It's just, it's manipulating him. That's a good point. You know, we don't ever know. This is, once yeah. again, the Drifter's thoughts recited to Ghost. He's on a freezing exactly. planet. His friends are dying. None of them trust each other. And we're going to find out that he is going to be the last one there for a long period of time. We don't know what's happened to him or how much of this we can take as fact. So that is also a really good point. He could be a little crazy. I think he is a little crazy, that's for sure. But Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> that's a given alright the last one it's the ancient apocalypse bond had a face like the end times and eyes like manna in the desert one look at him and I knew I wasn't going to be saved the drifter we were at our wits end a year on the planet and we had been completely unable to capture or tame the creatures that had become our sole objective they were our bane. Our ship had long been rendered useless by the extreme cold. We had all died a hundred thousand times over with cold. I know you've all been in the crucible. Played Gambit. This was worse. Much worse. Anyway, four of us were left. We were raving psychos at this point. Only the four of us, and the howling wind, and icy slopes for company. The occasional scurrying, vacuous creature to argue about. One day, when we had settled in for the night in another monolith, something swept over the planet. I later learned it swept across the system. All of you here in this felt it. You were there at the source. All four of us lost our light, and we knew it. We looked over at the monolith creature in its frozen cage. It seemed to stare right back. I think I mentioned we're all raving loop psychos at this point. Well, we did what all measured raving psychos would do. We thought we each had betrayed by 
sorry, we thought we each had been betrayed by the others. We drew on each other. To this day, I'm not sure how many of those guys drew intending to kill, but I'll tell you this. I was the only one who walked out. The creature in that monolith watched it all. When it was over, I stuck a finger straight up at it. It was just me now. How would I get from there to here? Maybe I'll get to that, or to tell that story someday. We'll see if my gambit makes it that far. Drifter's thoughts recited to his ghost for posterity. The fifth of five parts. This is the culmination of all these cards, and really just kind of, I would say the start of the Drifter as the the character that we know now. You know, obviously well, the biggest thing that I noticed here would be the fact that they all lost their light, and that we all noticed this. And this would have been current. This was when Gaul trapped the light from the Traveler. Yep. Of course, them being so far away, didn't know that Gaul even existed. So they assumed that, well, when you're on a planet with a bunch of light-stealing creatures and a bunch of crazy psychopaths, uh, you know, it's only logical at that point that your buddy took your light. Well, they all drew on each other. They had died 100,000 times over. I mean, at that point, like we said earlier, death was becoming a part of their their day to day. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. they were just losing it mentally. Yeah. And just also the fact that all four of them felt this at the same time, like the fact that they literally need to be res in order to survive on this planet, they would have known that they couldn't survive very long. So, yeah. You know, it might not have made sense to a logical person, but they thought that they were trying to be murdered by their buddies. So they all drew. Uh, but, you know, I like how the Drifter says he's not sure if everyone had intention, but he was sure <laughs> to get out of there alive. So he was the last one alive. Yeah. Last man standing. In my mind, they like some people shot each other. He finished off the last guy. It was just, I kind of feel like he kind of just got lucky. But. Um, once again, we don't quite know. And then the other thing is the creature is watching them. It doesn't have a head, but it is watching them. But this is the drifter's perception of the creature. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's what I was curious of. What feeling did he get that he was being watched by this? And how sure of it was he? Because that... Granted, Gaul was not... I, I I'm not I wouldn't stretch to say that these creatures had some influence over Gaul. I think these acts were a coincidence. But I think this creature was watching basically looking upon the drifter with favor that he wiped out his friends. That he at that point based off like sword logic and the laws of the universe, he was the strongest and he had the right to live. Because um, we know that he made it off that planet somehow with no ship. Well, yeah, and that and was just a little my thought. That's even if these creatures, you know, abide by the sort of logic. But I mean, that that's that's another argument. Um, yeah, and may not to say the sword logic, but just the usually so far everything we look at the darkness, even with the vex, everyone follows the kind of the law that you know the strongest survive kind of thinking. So I guess short sword logic is maybe overstepping a little too far, but that that thinking. Yeah. You know, I wonder if they saw something in him that at that point they wanted to help him out. 
like I said, that's the big thing that I don't think is answered. He's been on this planet for over a year at this point. Um, they have no ship, and he's all alone with no progress in how to control these creatures. Yet he has a ship, an ascendant plane, and a little rock, and the ability to control Taken and... Not control Taken necessarily, but store Taken and create primevals. So something happened on this planet after this. And that's where the my spin foil theories start to pull out. Exactly. Do we just want to do a quick overview of the Titan and Hunter pieces? Or? Yeah, I'm thinking uh, we don't really need to read them all. Right, because the, um, more, the most important one, honestly, to me, is the Warlock set. Um, yeah, the, the only Titan one I set, really wanted to... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. The Titan set, I mean, it, it talks about... Um, I, I mean, it, we can go into that in a minute, but the important one to me is the Warlock set. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, the the Warlock set really sets it up. Uh, the only other... I mean, you know, what is... I mean, the Titan set is kind of his... I guess it's more of like a story of him like setting up in the city and with the Red Jacks and setting up Gambit and that kind of stuff. Um, I don't... I haven't read through <laughs> all of those. Some of them the are Titan comical. Set, and... The Titan set is him... Um, stealing items, you know, stealing weapons and gear to yeah. give out as loot for Gambit. <laughs> yeah, okay, that's what I thought I was getting <laughs> at. So those are just kind of funny, something we could kind of go through later. The one that I specifically just wanted to read was the Ancient Apocalypse Strides for the Hunter, um, and this shows that he has control over the uh, Prime Evils. I was just going to read that one real quick. Yes. And so the Apocalypse Strides read, I stopped counting the Armageddons, the Drifter. A sudden wind tore at Drifter's duster. He stared hard across the sand at the line of Cabal soldiers in his path. A towering centurion at the head spoke for the group in fierce Cabalese. So render your weapon and your ship or die. Drifter stuck a f single finger in the air at them. He, imag he imagined the Cabal narrowing their eyes at him under their helmets. Why does your kind always insist on fighting, even when you are so hopelessly outgunned? Drifter shook his head. I won't fight. I like to watch, he says, and keyed the moat of dark in his hand. An unearthly howl filled his ears, and he cursed. He never got quite, quite got used to it. The sky turned a shade of fiery green and split in half. Nine creatures that guardians would know as primevals stepped onto the sand of the Emerald Coast. Out of place, impossible, massive, and wrong. The Cabal let out a guttural cry, an approximation of fear. Tracers raked the, the air as they fired everything they had against the sudden emergent taken. Explosions rocked the shoreline as the Cabal ship joined in the assault. Pillars of flame erupted into the sky. The primevals didn't seem to notice. Marching forward through the bullets and the fire towards the enemies of their master, who hadn't moved from where he stood. The drifter's smile was all teeth. Yeah, that's just a scary card right there. Oh, yeah. I just want to note that he summoned all nine primevals with one yeah. mote of dark. We put yep. 75 into the bank to get one primeval. 
that's a huge like return on investment. <laughs> mm, yeah, for sure. So I mean, he's building up these moats so that he can have a full army of primevals. So the more gambit matches we do, the more we're helping him build his army. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Um yeah, I think there actually is a uh one of the cards in that set that talks about he pops off a panel on the bank and pulls out this one like mode of dark that is like infused with a lot of power. So yeah, that's another thing. What is that that bank that he's storing all these modes of dark in? Yeah, and also, if people didn't know, we're not putting motes of light in that bank. They're motes of dark. Yeah. And he is, I think, storing a good number of them. Or compressing them well, into something else. Well, so, so like I said, I mean, it's two teams pulling together. So that's 75 motes of dark each. He uses one moat each, you know, for each team to actually summon their primeval. And we do it for at least two rounds. So he's getting 74 motes from each team on top of, you know, and that's each round. So he's getting 148, uh, almost 300 in just a single Gambit match. And that's if both teams summon their prime evils. And it, the card that is the preview to the one we just read is the Ancient Apocalypse Vest. And that is the one where he pulls out this moat. Um, if you wanted to read that one. Alright. The Ancient Apocalypse Vest. Sometimes it's a cosmic event. Sometimes it's a beast from hell. Sometimes it's one man. A drifter. Emerald Coast. European Dead Zone. Drifter shambled up to the bank. He dragged a scion corpse with him, so he'd have something to sit on. He dumped the body to the ground, took a seat. Drifter licked his finger and slid it behind a hidden panel on the bank's outer shell to crack the thing open. It unfolded, ejected a single compressed moat. A moat of dark, he called it. He could see it glowed despite the shining sun overhead. It was chilled to the touch, an effect of the bank. This particular hall was worth a hundred and two singular motes of dark, of one-sided slaughter. His comfy scion chair twitched. He stood up, blasted two rounds into it with a massive cannon. Above him, the derelict descended. His ghost flinched slightly at the ship's engines kicked, or as the ship's engines kicked up a whirlwind of dust. Drifter cooed softly to his friend. I love this job. So we have a number. Yeah. Well and see he's saying this particular hall. Yeah. So that's yeah, this is just for one little mode of dark one compressed mode I would say he's got here. Yeah. And it seems like he summons nine primevals with this one mode. Um that's pretty crazy. Um I noticed this after just reaching the other cards that this is referred to as a mode of dark, and did you notice that it was chilled to the touch? Thinking of cold blackness after reaching reading the last cards, that totally makes me think about the yeah the being creatures trapped on that freezing planet in those super cold banks or crystals. 
granted the fact that he's holding this in his hand and not dying means that it's not exactly them, but I would think that he was somehow able to harness their power and something having to do with the cold is how he's able to, uh, you know, keep it under control until the time he wants to use it. Yeah. Uh, and the last thing I would like to read, the actual malfeasance. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Um, we also do have the transcript from Ace in the Hole, which is the mission that people go on to get um, the Ace of Spades. You want to start they with Ace up, in the Hole or... Or um, I'm I'm thinking start with Ace or Muffies. Yeah, I think so too. So the mission has us go into Titan, you know, the Arcology, um, and we just run around, killing Hive, opening up Cade's uh, hidden stashes. Well, the third stash you open up gives us Cade's. Uh, I guess it's a last will, honestly. Um, yeah, he's basically writing last his recording. last words to all of the different people he might suspect of killing him. Yeah, and that's hilarious all in itself. In a very comical way, too. Like, I think he did oh, it it's very Cade. It's yeah, very it's Cade. Very, very <laughs> but it's, an, it's an amazing mission. <laughs> it is. But uh, the third one is the Drifter. So it Cade says, this one's for the fellow who calls himself the Drifter. You did warn me running with you would put a target on my back. Guess I'm in good company, though, huh? After all, never had any fun without a little risk. That's the whole idea with the operation you're putting together, ain't it? My idea, by the way, had it like a million years ago, back when you were still handsome. So, uh, you're welcome. You know... Getting that thing up and running means coming out of hiding, giving you-know-who another shot at you. Hope I was around to see that showdown. Personally, my money was on the guy with the golden gun. But hey, what do I know? I'm dead. <laughs> like I said, it's very Cade. Yeah. Uh-huh. So that shows that from our earlier conversation, Cade would have been around <laughs> when Gambit was set up, but still, I think that was totally... Ikora, who set this up, even though he does claim that this was all his idea. Yeah. I love that. He's like, I had that idea a long time ago. Uh, so I think the last thing we really want to touch on is the malfeasance. Yep. Yeah, I think the rest of that card is fairly self-explanatory. The man with the golden gun. Oh, yeah. Right, we've been shins. So. It, it, it's the renegade yeah. hunter that we've been talking about all night. Um... <laughs> But yeah, so I, I can read Malfeasance if you want. Yeah, that sounds good. Nothing kills a Guardian faster than another Guardian, the Drifter. Yes, I wrote you a note. I want you to burn this in your memory. If you're wielding this gun, I've already told you all this and more. But I want you to keep it fresh in mind. I want you to have this. You may need it. You and I have done a lot together in this system. And I hope and pray we'll get to do a lot more. It'll be a lot safer while or with you wearing one of these. It's the culmination of a lot of things. A long time ago, I set out to find a replacement for a weapon called Thorn. This will never be that, but to me, it's better. We built it together, and all of us. With this in hand, even the man with the golden gun should have a pause. Maybe we can't outshoot him, 
Maybe we can't be outshot. Or maybe he can't be outshot. But if we all take our shot together, we don't have to beat him to it. He'll die too. Remember this. For when the day comes, the drifter. Ooh. Yeah, for sure. That's... That definitely is a is like a dark note to end on. Like that totally puts him in a dark light. It does. Especially since, I mean, he, actually this proves that he doesn't know that Pal and the man with the golden gun are the same person. Oh, you know what? That actually makes so much more Because, you know, I had thought for a long time that he was basically just playing him. I had thought that too. You know, that but this, this was proves. just him. But that makes a lot more sense. I think that he just knows that that is a man who is interested in the shadows. Yeah, but because he probably assumes that if he was found by the man with the golden gun, he was he's good as dead. So that is actually oh, yeah. that is actually a good point. That actually makes a lot more sense. That I would totally agree with that. He probably doesn't know who he is then at this point. And like I didn't even get it until I read it out loud. Yeah, for sure. I didn't even think about that. I just figured he was trying to double-cross him. But no, I think that's so totally I. a better way to look at this. He it's a much more interesting way people. to look at it. So, yeah, I mean, and also that, it shows us... That disproves a lot of different spinfoil theories I had. Yeah. And I would say that this also, one thing it does prove is that the Drifter is truthful, but also lying about the, his reasons behind Gambit. I would say he's truthful because he does want to arm individuals. But maybe lying a little bit more about their cause. Um, he wants us to be able to have this power, but he's also using this as an as a way of literally arming as many guardians as he can with thorn-like weapons for when the day comes when they're needed. So, Spoonful theory. I mean, what if this is his way of trying to create an, another dredgen? Like a true dredgen, not one of yeah. these. Uh, Dark little emo. Not one of the not one of the cult followers, but like, what if this the is weird his cult way kids. of? <laughs> yeah. But like, what if this is his way of trying to create the next Dredgenior? And what if he's chosen us? I think he is trying to recreate Dredgen, but in a different way. I think Dredgen had so much hope that when he finally lost, well, when we go into the story of Rezalazir, we'll talk about that. But when he finally lost that hope. I think he was just so done that he had no hope for humanity and just wanted to watch things burn. But I think the Drifter has more of a thought that this power can be harnessed, that we can handle the power that Dredgen had maybe and be a little bit more useful. You know, I don't see him as the same as Dredgen. Dredgen almost just kind of wanted to just destroy things. Like when he just killed all those random dudes in a bar. I don't know if you remember oh, yeah. that card, but... You yeah. know, it just there wasn't a lot of uh, reason behind his actions. But um, between that and also the Shadows of Yore, um, claiming that the weapon is not the weapon of sorrow, but it's the Guardian becomes the weapon of sorrow, I think he's kind of enforcing that, that he's trying to form us into basically a more powerful weapon. But I think that as Guardians, we could use that in our own way to... Kind of do something cool. I'd be cool if we could get a dark subclass. <laughs> it's super spin foil, but that would be it cool. could be cool. It could be cool. Um, but okay, I I think that's actually it. Yeah, that's the Drifter in a two-hour nutshell. Um, he's an interesting yeah. character. 
Um, granted, we've read all the cards on this. Um, I think that's kind of good personally. Um, but you know. um, And the only lore tabs that we actually didn't go into were for the Titan set, which is him stealing mm-hmm. yeah. pretty much loot to give out. Um, yeah, the rest of the Hunter set is just basically what we read. Setting up him killing and those, on... setting, killing those Cabal, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty much him and, setting up the Emerald Coast yep. and, you know, the aftermath of a match. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, that's really it. I think we covered everything for him. Yeah. Um, be interested to hear what anyone else wants for the next topic. Um, if you are interested in the story of Dwindler's Ridge and Dredgen Yor, Jaren Ward, and Shin Malfer, that is a very interesting one. Um, but also, definitely some topics about uh, the Dreaming City, I'm sure. And a little bit more about Taken and Oryx and his sister and all that stuff, I'm sure it would probably be sisters. would be interesting, too. So, yeah, I think exactly. that covers the Drifter. And it'd be interesting to hear what anyone else uh, would like for us to talk about next. And on that note, have a good night. All right, y'all. Have a good night. I'm going to stop broadcast. Me too.